Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and the number one fan of the Warner Brothers Scoob, Nick Protopapis. Scoob, is that the new <laughs> animated one or is that the live action one? That is the, the new animated one, which it's you like people are always asking me, and I get really upset because Scoob <laughs> is the new animated one. That we've all heard <laughs> of. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mm. really, really like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Everything else is, you know, pretty much just a, a shadow of Scooby-Doo and trying to rip it off in one way or another. Um, in a way, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the only real thrill we can ever get in a story is, is mystery. And, and romance and Scooby-Doo has pretty much, you know, I don't want to say invented because obviously, you know, there's things like Shakespeare <laughs> and like the Bible beforehand, but like right. Sherlock Holmes even. Yeah. But really, you know, I think Scooby-Doo was the thing of the last century that, uh, you know, really influenced everything else that exists to have more mystery. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of revolutionized the the genre. All genres, not just the genre. All genres, yeah. All the genres of sort media. of the sort of the the storytelling mode in general. Right, that's true, and I'm, I'm hoping that Scoob, the new movie, <laughs> uh, while hitting a larger audience in theaters and also for children, and sort of you know, because there, there's been movies before, but really. You know, those were more TV movies. I don't want to say that exactly, but we all know it's true. So I think this time with the sort of animated and like, you know, big, big feature film situation, uh, I think that I think that this is going to you're going to see this as the the second big change in all media ever as school yes. tries to influence everything that follows it by being so outrightly original while still being a remake. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's more a reinvention of this classic, monumental franchise that I, I know we all know and love. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that sort of angle is going to take us to new heights. Um, and, and once we see this movie, which I believe comes out on Friday, um, it will just change the way that we look at how we tell stories. And like, ourselves. At ourselves, exactly. I mean, really, how can we look at ourselves with how can we look at stories? How can we look at ourselves without the two reflecting on each other? Yeah. And that podcast is all about. You know what they say? You know, know, uh, no, 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 sorry. Scooby Doo influences art, art influences us. Scooby Doo influences us. In a way, Scooby-Doo is us. Yeah, Scooby-Doo is us. We are all Scooby-Doo because we can see ourselves in his... Joe, sorry, I I think you were trying to say that we are all Scooby-Doo because we can Scooby-Dooby-Doo, as as he did in the movie. Yes, um, you know, I... When Scooby-Doo says that he longs for a Scooby snack, I, I feel... I feel that. I feel that within my 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 soul. Um just because, you know, I long for things 
that could be likened to a Scooby snack. Um, yeah, I think we've kind of run out of juice on this bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could name all of the things <laughs> if I tried. <laughs> there's Scooby, there is Shaggy, there is, I want to say Kevin. Uh, no. <laughs> and uh, Kevin's girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, how, how uh, <laughs> Shaggy, Velma, Fred, and Daphne. Fred, there you go. I guess that makes more sense. <laughs> Kevin is like a, he's like the fourth McElroy brother. <laughs> What's good with you, Joseph? Uh, I'm well. You know, uh, finals are over for me, so I'm done with my first year of college uh, for some value of that. Uh, and so summer is here. Uh, and uh, the thing that I'm working on is, uh, is do, finding, finding a way to spend it. Is that it? Uh, yeah, but like the main way that I'm spending that for at least the next week or two is uh, finishing up drawing all of Aeronaut, which is my webcomic, um, and I'm going to you know try to keep it at a pace of at least a page a day. Um, and so far, so good. So good about it. My, my goal is to read a page a day, which is... Almost as difficult. Mm. It it really can be though. Also a valiant effort on my part. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's what you and I are up to. Doing yeah. you know, living big. Living large. Yeah, you're like the um you're a, you're what are you, what are you called? You're a cedar and I'm a I'm a slacker or whatever. <laughs> you know what <laughs> what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, is Scooby-Doo really coming out on Friday? Uh, I think so. Not in theaters. It's coming out, you know, on, uh, you know, home video. I see. Not on a streaming service? Yeah, it's, com- it's, uh, it's coming out on Friday. Okay. I'll be ready. Or they're doing the, um, the video on demand thing. That uh, Trolls World Tour also did. Of course, sorry. How could I be so foolish? Yeah. You're all right. Nick, you've got a thing for me today? Joe, I do have a thing for you today. And uh, it's Harry Potter, even though my family is discluding me from watching the last Harry Potter movie together. <laughs> um, in spite of that, despite that, I, uh, I really enjoyed uh, rewatching the fifth Harry Potter movie. Uh, I think I found actually a perfect balance of, of being alive in the, in a world where you oh. you want to experience Harry Potter. And it's that every three or four years, I watch the movies. And then every three or four years, I read the books after that, I mean. So it's sort of like the Olympic Games, mm-hmm. where you're switching off, you know, books and movies, but you're always getting Harry Potter. Um, that's sort of the balance I've come to in my life in the last 12 years. And I think it's yeah. going to continue, you know? Yes. Yeah, so. yeah, I am not a Potterhead, as they call them, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate your sort of uh, continued attendance to the franchise. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's a really good one, good franchise. Um, I, I don't know how big it is and how it's, you know, it, it just feels vibrant, I guess. It's also, you know, they're very good books and such. Anyways, it's been, you know, uh, the appropriate eight years or so since I've seen the movies, and we're we're rewatching them. My family is, and uh, 
yeah. So I'm getting sort of a second look at them. And of course, it's been enough years that I've forgotten everything that happens, more or less. Um, and we're sort of going through them again. And, and minus the last two, you know, which make up the last one, if you remember that. Remember when it was really hip, mm-hmm. split up the last movie. And that was like the new hip thing movies were doing. Right. Yeah. It all started with Harry Potter, I think. And uh, yeah, so aside from that one, don't mind that one. My favorite so far has been uh, it's been the fifth one, Order of the Phoenix which I guess is an unpopular one. I don't really know. I don't talk to that many people about Harry Potter, but it seems that no one's favorite is The Order of the Phoenix. But it's definitely my favorite. And I think it's also my favorite book, although I don't remember. But uh, here's, you know, I'm going to give you 10 reasons or something. That's a tall order, 10 reasons. (laughs) I'm going to try. I'm going to try to give you 10 reasons that the fifth one is my favorite. Um, Okay. I guess both of my reasons are that the other ones are worse. You guys guys have problems with the other ones, but I'll, I'll try to give you 10. Let's do that. All right. One reason. <laughs> One reason is it has cool new side characters that are, you know, super entertaining just on their own, but like also interacting with the characters we know and love. And I always like it when a franchise or a series introduces new characters sort of, you know, more than, you know, sort of in the middle of like escalating plot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not always possible, but I think it's really cool. And it just like keeps things feeling fresh. And so this 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 movie... Number five. I mean, all the Harry Potters do this, but number five is some of the best side characters. Got Luna Lovegood. Do you know Luna Lovegood? I know the name. She's great. She's just sort of a weirdo, <laughs> and she like she's kind of a conspiracy theorist in, within the magical world, which is sort of a funny idea. Um, and she's a little loopy, I guess. Anyway, she's great. And uh, actually, a second reason. This counts as two reasons, I think is that the the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, which switches every year in case you don't know, Joe, but everybody knows that, um, is, is, um, sure. is Umbridge. And she's a she's a funny lady who's sort of the villain of the whole whole book. And she goes, <clears throat> and is like very annoying. And sort of one of the one of the one of the villains I probably am annoyed with most, which is a sort of interesting thing. But she's so thoroughly entertaining in the way that she's like proper and like being technically polite but like is such an asshole and like i don't know i like the way that it's a villain that's not like inherently evil but like is sort of more of a problem like i kind of hate her more than like voldemort to voldemort in uh some of the other ones because he's just like ah, i'm evil and stuff but she's sort of like within the bureaucracy and that's her problem she's funny I-, I think i'm not doing her justice or luna in sort of describing how funny they are but they're good new side characters and that's two reasons um third reason is that harry's a whiny baby the whole book i think it's really fun (laughs) (laughs) i like his teen angst um i feel like most of the things that i know about harry potter amount to the the fact that the main character is a whiny baby yeah but he's more of a whiny baby in this one it's great um (laughs) further (laughs) uh further you know it's it's the first one where voldemort is like back and like you know, it, that's a scary threat looming over the whole thing. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Well, it sort of raises the stakes of the whole thing. Um, and then you get um, you get Harry having a love interest, which it hasn't had before. These are stupid reasons. I'm just sort of listing things that happened at this point. Um, <laughs> you don't give have to partner. give me ten reasons. You can just... I'm going to give you five because that's how many I gave you, I guess. And uh, <laughs> All right. All them doubly cool because I like them. Um, it's just, it's. I think it's a good one in terms of like, not being one of the earlier ones where it's like a little more goofy, like it's a good level of seriousness without being the finale, I guess you could say. And it keeps mm-hmm. it fresh with a new, you know, new set of uh, characters 
and sort of everything feels bigger, but still like not too big. And I guess that's the middle ground I like to be in in stories. Um, yeah, I think it's real good. And I, I wish that people liked it more. I don't know. The next one, which is sort of in the same era, I could say, you know, of escalating, but not, not the finale is like a lot of right. romantic drama and this one doesn't have that. So, so I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird, weird segment. <laughs> just like I enjoy Harry Potter, but I'm not listing the reasons I enjoy it. I'm just sort of listing things that happen in the fifth one because it's my favorite. <laughs> it's gotten a little weird, but uh, yeah, fight me. All of you out there who don't like the fifth one, that's what I say. Yeah, hooray! I'm done, Joe. I'm done. Sure. Off the stage. Uh, you can you can send uh, applications to uh, fight Nick Protopapis in martial combat to out of our heads pod at gmail.com. Oh, there's another good thing. Another good thing is that Snape, who Harry hates and he he hates Harry, have to hang out and like um <laughs> minds, which is such a cool just like plot situation, like a funny situation for those two characters to be in. Like, isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Two characters who hate each other have to read each other's minds. What a freaking cool... It's just cool. I don't know. It's a cool place to be. Anyways, I'm done. <laughs> so, my thing for you uh, this week is a comic that came out last year. It's called Peter Cannon Thunderbolts, um, and it is uh, written by Kieran Gillen uh, with art by... And I, I may mispronounce this, so apologies... Uh, Kaspar Weingard. Um, and this is sort of, uh, bear with me here, uh, because this is going to sound a bit silly uh, or out there, but I think it's something that you would ultimately enjoy. Um, this is a kind of riff slash deconstruction slash reconstruction of the uh, sort of superhero genre. Um, and it plays a lot with Watchmen. Um, it follows this main character who's, um sort of on a superhero team uh but he doesn't really do much um and he's he's kind of disillusioned with humanity and sort of the state of the world um so he doesn't do actually much superhero work um and what happens in the first issue is uh they it's five issues um and they're attacked or the city they're in is attacked by a giant alien menace that is very similar uh to the squid from Watchmen um and what you find out as the book continues is that uh, the characters are being attacked uh, by an alternate universe version of the main character who is essentially conducting the Ozymandias experiment uh, over a series of alternate universes um, and basically trying to get that to work uh, like for the end result that happens in Watchmen where the, the world kind of returns to peace. Uh, after the threat of nuclear annihilation comes to pass um, mm-hmm. because of squid like he's trying to get that to happen and it doesn't happen um, and he's been repeatedly doing this in like thousands of universes <laughs> um, which is you know pretty funny it's a, it's a pretty funny book if you're familiar with Watchmen I don't think the problem sure. with <laughs> yeah yeah uh... I think I'm uh, familiar with Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're both very familiar with Watchmen. <laughs> we've uh, we've both read it dozens of times. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I think you know 
a possible major flaw in it is that I don't think it would be very accessible if you weren't like just very into sort of you know if you if you know what Watchmen is if you've read that book and you know what it represents to the superhero genre um, then I think this is a book that you would get something out of um, because it's very much playing with that tropes with those tropes and it's also like very much a commentary on the genre and where it's gone in the past 30 years um which is really cool to me um and it has some like really cool sort of formalist uh experimentation going on um not like the most you might ever see but it is like very controlled in the same way as watchmen uh while also sort of acting to make jokes out of a lot of the the sort of tropes that not, that uh watchmen uses like there's a lot of jokes at the expense of the nine panel grid in this um <laughs> Like, I think it's at the end of issue two. Um, the characters, the way they travel between dimensions is they, they uh, you know, draw a six-panel grid on the floor, and then they lie down in the six-panel grid. Okay. <laughs> like I said, it's a, it's a pretty weird book, um, but I think it lands in a place that is um, pretty interesting and kind of satisfactory. Yeah, all right. I enjoyed it. Uh, I I think you know I can I can safely recommend it to you, um, and know that you would probably get something uh, out of it at least a little. Uh, while saying that it's definitely like not for everyone. Right, that makes sense. I mean, that's what you get yeah. for um, specific. The art is interesting. Yeah, what's the art like? Yeah, it's it's kind of cartoony. It's like mostly a a. Uh, like a, a fairly uh, normal like superhero style, um, but like the the heads are kind of blocky, um, which is sort of interesting to me. Um, it doesn't, it isn't always like my favorite look, um, but often it works. Um, like there's certain perspectives uh, that like you view the characters from uh, that like you know doesn't always work for me. Like the action's really interesting though. Um, the uh, fourth issue in particular has like uh, sort of been intermission uh that is really cool um yeah it's uh it's a neat book <laughs> all right sounds good okay shall we move on to the main event i think we shall okay today nick we are talk- talking about a studio ghibli movie which is our first time doing that i think it's our first time talking about an anime uh, of some kind on this show. Uh, We're talking about Arietti, uh, or as the English version, or as one of the English versions is called, uh, The Secret World of Arietti. Mm -hmm. Um, So the, you know, the funky thing about this movie that we need to establish right off the bat is that um, there are three separate versions. Uh, There's the Japanese version, of course, but then there are two different English dubs, uh, one of which is a British version, uh, which has Tom Holland and Saoirse Ronan in the uh, primary roles, um, and the other is an American version, uh, which has Disney actors. Um, and there are several differences between those. Nick, for this uh, for this podcast, uh, Nick wa- watched the uh, British version. I watched the American version. Uh, we'll sort of compare and contrast as this uh, goes on. Yeah, 
I'm sure it's it's very different. So I don't think it's too different. I, I made like note of the sort of differences that I was able to look up. Um, you know, really, I, I I don't know in the British version version did they um did they like localize uh, any of the background like lyrical music? What? No. What do you mean? Um, so isn't at the beginning, there's like, you know, sort of some Celtic sounding lyrical music. And I know there's a Japanese version of that track. And in the American version, uh, there's like an English version of that. Interesting. I don't think I noticed that enough. Um, sorry. Okay. I remember not liking it. (laughs) That's helpful. (laughs) Um, yeah, I really don't know. I thought it was kind of, kind of corny music. And I was like, this is kind of (laughs) corny. Yeah, I think the credits, same thing. Something was playing. I just don't know what. Hmm. Yeah, so I can't. I can't be certain. Um, it was probably. It's probably affecting my what I think of the movie. So. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about the movie. Actually, uh, so you know, a quick summary. This is a film about um, uh, Arietti. Uh, who is a borrower, um, who are essentially little people who who live in the walls of houses and take things in order to survive. Um, and uh, this sort of follows her uh, going on a bit of an adventure um, and uh, meeting up with this uh, sick human boy, uh, who I think has a different name in the American version. Uh, so w- let's operate from... Uh, the, the actual name. <laughs> What's his actual name? Uh, I don't know. What was he called in your version? Jesus, I don't know. Ari Ari <laughs> uh, This is not working. Joe, you expected me to remember a name? I yes. <laughs> Joe, I haven't remembered a name on this podcast since the beginning of time. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jesus, it just says it just says Tom Holland. That was him, right? <laughs> Um, In the uh, in the English version, he's called Sean. But I'm where do I go in a a crisis? IMDb. That's where I go in a crisis. I wonder what the (laughs) cast is going to tell me. This is show with an with a with a little arrow on the O. Little show. Yeah. Okay. Let's call him that. All right. Uh, Anyway, so he's a sick boy. I think it's implied that he has cancer, um, and he's sort of coming to, I guess, the country um, to to. uh, Kind of get some rest um because his parents are very busy um anyway um you know the the interesting thing about this movie is largely not the plot but often like you know the the, the plot is to some degree like almost non-existent like it, it's it's very basic this is more following like how do these characters live um and sort of what are the experiences they go through um and there is like you know a change that happens at the end of the film, but I I would say it's it's more subdued, um, and it's it's a film that's much more about the environment um, and sort of the the than like some overarching narrative. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, the you know any plot thing that's going on is sort of like well, you know the the big old human boy is making friends with the little you know little person girl. And that's sort of like, you know, the unlikely friendship in the face of like their their respective parents, you know, standing in the way of that sort of. 
Um, sort of. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, I don't know if it's like really like a, it's not really like a forbidden thing. It's more like just like the, I guess, housemaid sort of that he's living with. Um, I guess host um, uh, is very suspicious of the little people and of their existence and like, you know, wants to get rid of them. Um, and that's sort of something that creates tension and a climax later in the film. Uh, but it's not really the main focus. It's just the, a source of conflict. Yeah, and her parents are like, hey, maybe don't go and endanger yourself out there in the in the huge. Yeah. You get a little bit of that, but like you said, the plot is very subdued. It's sort of, you almost forget about it. It's like not emphasized a lot, which is a weird thing to say, but definitely true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much just about like spending time in this world and with these characters. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like all of the, the Ghibli movies, I, uh, Ghibli, Ghibli, uh, yeah. like all of these movies I've seen, they're very nice to look at. Um, and there's clearly a lot of detail and thought put into like, you know, everything that's going on, especially in like the little people's houses, because there's like, you know, little leaves everywhere and like, you know, intricate designs on the background paintings for each room, stuff like that. Uh, and that makes it very nice to look at, especially, you know, the character design is not, I don't like it's not basic, but you know, it's, it's your, it's your anime package. Like they all kind of have the same face and then you, you know, you operate around that with like costume design and stuff like that. But the way that, um, Arietti moves, I think it's super cute also. And like, especially interacting with, uh, with big things, I guess art, you know, human sized things, but to her, they're big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the main takeaways from this movie is that it's just in general, very cute. Um, the whole thing, um, it's like pretty adorable. Um, you know, I, I, I think in going back to what you were saying, um, Miyazaki films tend to pay attention or a lot of close attention to like the texture of objects um, and sort of appropriately exaggerating uh, those textures so things look like they feel. Um, this film is like especially good at that. Um, there's like sort of a, a cat's fur or like the ripples in clothing or like the stretching of like, a, I guess it's Velcro. Um, and it, that's really cool to me. Um, cause it, it just, it looks really satisfying. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it, I think we probably had a similar reaction where it's like, you know, even you people listening to us now will sort of get that. Like, it sounds like we just, Joe and I just sat down and like watched a, like a aesthetic video for a while instead of like a movie, <laughs> uh, which is sort of what happened. I mean, I, I don't have too much to say about any of the characters like this was in a you know very nice movie to look at and it's you know it's, it's fun to watch sort of a world similar to ours but you know totally different also which is how most fantasy worlds work i guess um but like you know yeah, i mean it's it's um it's a very well thought out world um i'll say that like it, it's it's really interesting the ways in which the characters interact or like the borrowers especially who are the little people um, like the way they interact with their environments um, and sort of how that's been thought out in sort of what, how they use various tools. Like at the beginning, Arietti uh, picks up a, a pin and she uses that like a sword 
Um, and that's really cool. Um, there's just a lot of close attention to detail that I really appreciate. Yeah. It's sort of a world in the details because it's small. small yeah. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to like completely sideline the sort of the, the themes of the narrative, because I think it is a movie that has stuff to stuff for us to think about, because it's a movie that I think thinks a lot about death um, or at least kind of fragility. Um, like, you know, everything is gone or dying or, or being misplaced in some way. Like the borrowers um, show has his disease um, there's like the sort of inherent danger to the way that like the borrowers live in general. Um, I feel like um, there, there is one change, really, I think the most significant change um, in the Disney version um, kind of messes with that um, because they have a line of narration that's added at the end. It's the only line of dialogue they changed where it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, show lived and he came back next summer and everything was okay um which i think just kind of messes with like it's not really that the ending has like the ending doesn't really focus on sort of the darkness of like oh this boy might die um but like you know i, I think that's an element to it like it's a very contem contemplative movie yeah. um i think the, the ending situation is that sort of the, the little people have to go move away. And there's a conversation a little bit before it where she's talking to the boy and he's sort of pointing out to her and she's very sensitive about it. But he's saying like, hey, sounds like you guys are going a little bit extinct. Um, and there's sort of both of those factors, I think, that mirror each other where he's his life is a little bit, you know, uh, up in the air uh, moving forward and sort of the survival of Arietti and her, her family is is sort of also like that you know yeah and i think you know my problem with that line at the end of the disney version is that it just sort of adds on this idea of like oh no everything was okay after the movie right <laughs> which like you know i i like the original sort of intention of ambiguity there even if like you know we as an audience can sort of assume that they'll be okay um, like, you know, it's cool that we don't 100% know. Um, and it just feels like it, it dumbs down what is otherwise, like, in some ways, a very, like, smart movie. Yeah. Well, I don't think I had that line in the one I watched, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not there. Right, so I am not offended by it because I didn't experience it. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was like one other character going on. There was, uh, the other little person. I don't know if he had a, if he had a name. Um, uh, in the American version, his name is Spiller. Okay. And what did you think of Spiller? Um, I don't know. I think he feels kind of extraneous in some ways. Um, I think part of that is just like, he's mainly introduced like in the middle of the second act and he just kind of shows up. It's not that he isn't important to the plot, um, and he's also very cute. <laughs> uh, he's adorable. That's what I was going to say. He's sort of my favorite. I know he does everything. He might be one of my favorite fictional characters because uh, so, like, he is really cute. <laughs> so, like, 
earnest and like he's just like hmm? like you want this like you want this thing i'm holding i can't fully understand you like here take it take the thing i'm holding and I, I don't think it's that like he can't fully understand people i think he's just like very quiet and reserved oh okay maybe yeah in any like, case i think you know his his um in the american version his like english is kind of stilted which is like a little weird but like yeah you know, i had that uh, thing also like he was definitely like grumbling a little i don't want to say mumbling but grumbling a little um yeah it wasn't always like he would say something i'd be like wait a moment did he just say something in english or is he just grumbling um which i okay they they seem to have like applied a sort of a different version because in the american version he's like sort of like you know me tarzan speak oh if that means um me so weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I'm never, like, super comfortable with kind of that trope. Um, but it, it's, like, you know, it's fine, I guess. Um, yeah, but he is very cute, and there's a moment at the end of the film where he kind of offered... It, you know, he has a crush on Arietti, um, and he, he offers her, like, uh, some berries, um, and she takes them, and he, like, does a little dance. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I liked him. Yeah. That was cool. Um, you know, I, I think my other sort of takeaway from this movie is I, I like, you know, I know her name is in the title, but I, I like how much agency that in, like, you know, I what plot momentum there is is, like, given to Arietti. Like, because, um, I don't know, going in, I sort of assumed from, like, similar American media uh, or from similar media that is like from America um, that like that sort of works with the same tropes uh, that like, oh, we'd be mainly following the boy um, and Arietti would show up to be like the the uh, to some degree literal manic pixie dream girl, <laughs> um, which like doesn't happen here. Um, really, I get I guess my my um, touchstone for that uh, is Secret of Kells. Um, where, you know, there's a girl character who features prominently in the marketing, uh, but is, like, in, like, two scenes in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I get what you're saying. But it was very... Yeah, but... Yeah, but this is very much Ariadne's story. Sorry, Nick, I needed to dump on Secret of Kells a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know you did. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think it. I think it works here. I don't know. I, I liked it. I like this movie. If you're if you're looking for a nice relaxed time to just sort of have something on, this is it. This is the thing you want. Yeah, definitely track down the British version if it's possible for you. Oh, this is a good um, movie to fall asleep to actually, because you can follow pretty much what's going on. Oh, it would definitely be great for that. And I don't mean that as an insult. Like it's a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, you can sort of wake up and be like, "Yeah, I know what's going on." Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just like, you know, it's a movie that current sort of you get on that vibe with. Um yeah. and I really wait for that. It's um you know, it's it's a just a, a really sort of it's adorable, but it's not fluff. And that's cool. Yeah. Alright, Joe. Time is a wasting. Should we get to the um the time sensitive the um um thing that we do every week <laughs> yes all right so- today uh as we do every week 
uh, we are discussing uh, the uh, Funko Avatar Last Airbender Appa breakfast cereal. Is that um, what we do every week, or do we talk about what cereal we should buy every week? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we, we're doing that. This week on Rare Cereals, uh, uh, we're talking about... So, we're talking about what, what are we talking about, Joe? Uh, as I said before, the Funko Avatar Last Airbender Appa breakfast cereal. Yeah. Um, so Nick and I have had our eyes on this breakfast cereal for a long time, uh, ever since it was first announced. Uh, it comes with an exclusive... Uh, Appa from Avatar Last Airbender Funko Pop, um, which is you know pretty significant um, for <laughs> if you're the type of person who collects Avatar Last Airbender Funko Pops. Right, right, right. It's a multi-grain cereal, and it is mm-hmm. quote a tasty treat, fun to eat. Um, that's all I know. Uh, <laughs> it's got a little cartoon <laughs> Appa on it. He's sort of got a spoon. He's ready to eat these like this picture of cereal in front of him. Um, yeah, speaking of things that are adorable, I love how Appa is holding this giant spoon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the bowl is in front of him, and it's got like mm-hmm. very white, just like very cereal, white O's. Cereo shaped cereals. Um, yeah. And I guess that this is a thing that Funko does sometimes because it's got like a branding thing called Funk O's. Like you dig, like the O is a cereal. Um, yeah, they do. Um... They do a few of these. Um, I know there's like a Mega Man one somewhere out there, like a Mega Man cereal. Yeah. That like comes with a Mega Man Pop Funko. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the main point of interest for us is that we're looking on, on uh, this shopping website here um, and there's only one left. Um, only one left. And it's a limited edition sort of situation. And it does come with an oppa funko these are the factors yeah now it is even here's the problem it is 20 this is probably with an eight dollars fee. <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's very expensive it comes with a toy it is more than eight dollars <laughs> more than thirty dollars sorry um yeah and um and the cereal is probably garbage it is only one thing of cereal like a regular size thing of cereal. <laughs> And I can't imagine that the toy is regular size since it has to fit inside the cereal. Mm-hmm. It must also be small. Um, yeah. And it would come by yeah. Friday, May the 22nd, which is like 10 days from now. Um, <laughs> so I would have to like think about my decision for 10 days before I knew if it was even remotely worth it. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, it is limited edition. So this is my one chance to make this mistake. I'm gonna I'm gonna check real fast if this um is avail is available anywhere else. You think it's so? I don't think it is. I think um, it, I'm gonna read the description while we wait. Fuel up for a day of airbending with Appa. This tasty multigrain cereal will make breakfast time so much more epic. Each box comes with an adorable pocket pop. If your favorite Sky Bison from Avatar: The Last Airbender, wait. Of your, okay, of your, yeah. All right, okay. Funko, Funko, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Appa, Breakfast Cereal. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. So someone is selling uh, eight of these on eBay. A used one? <laughs> Not used. Yeah, I don't want these used cereal boxes, man. <laughs> oh, man, did someone make a YouTube video of eating these? <laughs> Joe, we're going to watch this. After. 
Oh boy. Okay. Someone made a YouTube video. This is gonna be great. See that now. Okay, so here's buy it, actually. That's kind of swing swinging it the other direction. Mm. Here's the thing. It's available on eBay for about twenty bucks. Someone is selling it, but that would come between June twelfth and June nineteenth. It's not really good for me. Yeah. I need it really like tomorrow morning for breakfast. I need to fuel up my mm. morning tomorrow. Um Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if I did get it, I could eat it and we could podcast about how it tastes to me. And that might be very interesting. Um, but it might be, but I I think if you're willing to let go of that much money for this, then I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I think that if I bought every, every little thing that avatar made, then they would just make dumb things. You know, I got to, prioritize mm-hmm. what was worth it to me and uh, okay that's valid yeah and i think that as much as i would i crave this oppa cereal and know that it is limited edition i think that the the oppa figure is just a little too small that's my <laughs> right <laughs> I think the oppa figure is just a little bit bigger i would buy it but i'm looking at okay now and it should we should put it out out there into the world that um anyone listening to this who wants to spend $30 or upwards on Appa cereal, you can do so. Um, but there aren't many left. You are losing our respect just a little bit. At least my respect. Nick, you've got a wise quote for us to finish out of the show? Yes. This one is commonly attributed to Greek philosopher Thucydides. Thucydides. Nice. Thank you. Uh, and the quote is History is philosophy teaching by example which is very wise. Cool. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Protopapis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com, where, as I said earlier in the show, you can uh, you know either send us listener questions or uh, requests to fight Nick in one-on-one combat. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joe B underscore draws. You can read my webcomic, Aeronaut, at JoeBDraws.com. As always, Nick has nothing to promote. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would really help the show. Bye. Anyways, um, I, f- I knew this this day would come. You know that that Joe ate Appa. <laughs>